Remember that we have these sermons of Jesus, five big sermons of Jesus in the book of Matthew, each of them ending in the same way. This is one of them, the sermon in chapter 13. It ends in 1353 when Jesus had finished these parables. And, uh, but this one is different from the others in that there's quite a few narrative statements. Most of the other sermons are just monologues. But, but the narrator um, inter- inserts some things in this sermon more than in the others. Um, many of the parables Jesus uses here are farming parables. And that's because they were a largely agrarian society where that would have been their lifestyle. Jesus is using things that they were familiar with. There's a lot of reasons perhaps why Jesus teaches this first parable about the sower. Uh, but maybe in part, we, we, we would think of it as an exhortation. You know, what, which soil are you? And we'll look at that. You know, it kind of teaches you, you know, what you need to do to make sure you're the good soil. But maybe part of Jesus' reason for teaching this in this context is to explain why some people are not obeying the gospel. Why isn't everybody turning to Jesus? Why are these people rejecting him? Well, what we're going to find is it wasn't a seed issue. It wasn't a sower issue. It was a soil issue. The hearts of the people. So, um, chapter 13, verses 1 to, to 23. Let's go ahead and get this all. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and, <clears throat> and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. When the disciples came to him, and then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, their case is... In in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it and hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. When tribulation or persecution arises, arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. The cares of the world, the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaith, unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Okay, so Jesus tells about this sower going out to sow seed. How do you envision him sowing the seed? Yeah, just scattering it. You know, the idea of a planter that puts the seed in the furrow is not a first century idea. So as the seed scatters, it falls in all sorts of places. And Jesus is using that fact to teach these lessons. He describes four different places where the seed would fall. And he says in verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. I think the idea is you're going to have to listen to understand this. This is not something you're going to get just on the surface. You read that story, and that doesn't tell you much at all. You have to have ears to hear. You have to have a spiritual understanding. Now, in this parable, Jesus is actually going to explain it, so that will help a lot. Uh, but, but, you know, most of the other parables he does not explain. And even if they're not explained, he intends for us to listen to them and us to discern them. His explanation here may be somewhat of a guide for us to understand other parables. Do you have comments and questions you want to make just kind of introducing this uh, section? Well, I want us to look a little bit at 10 to 17 and then try to explain the parables as a whole as we come into 18 to 23. After Jesus just tells the parable to the multitude, then the disciples come and ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? And what's Jesus' answer? So that they can't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems strange. Kind of like the sign in the last chapter. Yeah. I thought Jesus wanted everybody to understand it. He does. Yes, he does. But he doesn't. He doesn't force them to. But he could make it so much easier. That's exactly right. Jesus didn't intend to make it easier. You know, Jesus taught the way he did to where the lazy and the prejudiced won't ever get it. But those who are willing to put in the effort and invest will. This is understandable, but no, it's not something that you get just right off the surface when you read it. It's going to test how much commitment you have to really learning and, and seeking to understand what he's saying. And so there are some who are blessed to know God's will and some not. That's not some arbitrary decree of the Lord, but it has to do with their attitude, their hardened hearts. You know, when they close their eyes and stop up their ears, Jesus is not going to do something that's deafening even to a guy with stopped up ears. You know, he's not going to zap the hardened heart. Uh, he is going to teach in such a way that those who don't want to understand it won't, and those who do will. And he says in verse 16, Blessed are your eyes because they see, 
and your ears because you hear. You know, they have had this wonderful opportunity to hear and see Jesus. And it's a tremendous blessing. He said, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and to hear what you hear, and they didn't. We have received a blessing greater than all other people who lived before the time of Jesus, at least because we get to see the fulfillment of this. We get to see where this was going. What a blessing God has given us. And if we allow ourselves to be, you know, hard-hearted and blinded to this, what a shame. Comments and questions on this section from 10 to 17. Who is he talking to when he says, to you it has been granted? I think to the disciples that come and ask him. Verse 10. And why them? <laughs> like, They're the ones who ask. Because that shows that they wanted to know. Yes. Okay. And, and, and they do have that heart of a dis disposition to learn and to submit. And so Jesus is giving them more help and understanding because they show that eagerness and the good-heartedness to receive it. Okay. Well, he explains the parable. And uh, really, the parable teaches us the growth of the seed depends on the quality of the soil. That is, it's not just how well it is preached, it's how well it's heard and heeded. And, and, and in this story, there are many kinds of places the seed will fall where nothing good really happens, where no fruit is born. And, and you know, Jesus preaching didn't get the results you might have expected it to, and ours won't either. If you are sowing seed like this, just scattering it out, you're expecting a decent part of that seed never to germinate or never to bear any fruit. You know, that's the way that is. You know, but in spite of the apparently meager results, we're still supposed to sow. So, so the sower sows the seed. Now look at the different kinds of soils. What about the... Uh, the soil beside the road. What was it like? Doesn't even get in. Yeah. Why not? It's hard. Yeah. It, it's like be the place where everybody walks and they compact the earth, and so it's too hardened. It's not receptive. Uh, it never lets the word penetrate and enter. Are there people like that? You know, no matter what you say or what you do or how well you teach it, they never get it. It just goes in one ear and out the other. Maybe some of the scribes and Pharisees were like that in Jesus' day. They were too hardened to ever let the word penetrate into their heart. And then he speaks of the rocky soil. What's that like? Looks like it's just got a really thin layer of soil, like on top of, top of bedrock or something like that. So what happens when you scatter the seed on that soil? It takes off pretty quick. Um, it might even start growing faster than the good soil because, well, it can't go down, so it's just going to have to 
put everything into going up, and it doesn't last. Yeah, because no roots. No roots. Dries up. Yeah, you know, if you did plant a seed in a place like that, where the rock underneath kept the roots from going down at all, then it would, excuse me, it wouldn't take a very long dry spell for this plant to just wither up and die because it just has, it doesn't have anywhere for the roots to go. But you wouldn't be able to tell that if it was raining nearly every day and didn't get too hot. But when that little top layer of soil dries out, then it's a goner. And, and there are people like that. They receive the word and they start growing, but they never develop depth. They don't develop their faith, their conviction, their knowledge. They're more motivated by the external circumstances, by the, by the moment, by the situation. They're excited. This is great. We're loving this. But without deeper conviction, then when things are tough, they give up. Because they were never really deeply converted to the Lord. They were more just carried away by the enthusiasm and emotion of the moment. So they never bear fruit. But it looks weird to us because we see the plant doing well and thriving and then all of a sudden it's gone. It's like, well, they were just doing so good. Well, what part of a plant do you see? The top part. Yeah, the part that's above the ground. You don't see what's going on with the roots. And it's the part we don't see in people's lives that sometimes explains why suddenly they fall away. It's not so sudden if you realize they never put down deep roots. But that happens a good bit. And it, it's kind of deceptive, deceptive because it's really hard for anybody else to know if it's rocky soil until some temptation or affliction or complicated situation comes along to kind of test it. Comments and questions about those two soils. Sometimes it concerns me when I see someone converted and they're really, you know, on fire and enthusiastic and seem to be just doing everything right. Because um, <laughs> you know, it just seems that, you know, within a month or two that person winds up leaving. Uh, have you observed that or am I just a cynic? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... I've seen people who are very enthusiastic immediately, who've stayed for years and are strong. They're, because enthusiasm sometimes is more of a factor of personality. But I will say this, what I observe a little more, and this may be what you're thinking about too, is somebody who is very quickly convinced and converted. You know, just suddenly, oh yeah, that sounds great, I'll do that. Without really any, oh, it's, it's like it's so easy to teach them because they have no resistance. Sometimes people like that are very shallow. They don't have much rooting in anything else in their life. So whatever comes along, they'll, they'll, they'll grab. I'd rather somebody was a little more skeptical and made it a little harder because I know they'll do that with the next thing that comes along that's trying to persuade them against this. You know, the guy who's a pushover will probably be for the next person that comes along as well. So that's more what I've observed. But, but it all has to do with our motivation. 
And it's hard to tell. You know, am I more motivated because I really am coming to love God and trust Him, and I'm really committed to God, or am I more, boy, I love these people. I love this atmosphere. You know, I love the attention I'm getting. You know, this is great for my kids. You know, or whatever. Just kind of superficial factors that aren't very deep. If that's what it really is, well, that won't last. Because it won't always be great. You know, and the, the situation won't always be something we're, we're going to be all excited about. Somebody knows how to stop a uh, alarm on a watch. At least it's alarming now and not in the middle of the night. So. Well, there are some people in the group who have phones like this. If I can get them well enough to teach me, so. Um, we we are epidemics. That there that we do. Bargersville is must be the uh, you know that be the germ capital of the world. <laughs> Do you agree, uh, Caleb? Well, I know that Austin Mallerby is a big fan of Apple. Yeah, but everybody always gets sick at Bargersville. You notice that? People are sick yes, all the I time. Have. This is a puny group. <laughs> so, anyhow, if, they, if Austin gets well, he'll teach me. Um, he talks about the thorny soil. And. You know, it reminds me so much of when we were kids, you know, picking the sweet corn. You don't remember when we didn't use herbicide. Those first few years, two or three years, we didn't use any weed killer. And it was hilarious, especially those later plantings. I would fight through ragweed taller than the corn. I mean, I'd be enveloped in yellow. <laughs> you know, it's probably why I've got a few allergies these days. But, you know, and the funny thing is, would you expect those corn plants to still be there in the rows? They were. They were there. But many of them didn't even have ears on them. Because the, the ragweed were overshadowing the point they couldn't pollinate. The ones that did have ears, you ever seen corn where it's got kernels on one side and it's just smooth on the other? Or these, we had a bunch of these corn where you'd have a kernel here and a kernel there and a kernel over yonder. You know, they were rotten. They were terrible. Almost no corn that was fit to eat. Why? Choked. Yeah. Almost like suffocated. You know, the weeds are taking too much of the water and the sun and the nutrients. And there's nothing left. And that's what happens with people who respond to the word, but they got so many other distractions. There's so many other interests, and all their time and energy and effort is being divided and parceled out to so many things. He talks about the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth. Choke the word. All these distractions based on this lie snuff out the fruitfulness. You know, yeah, the person may still go to church some, but they don't have anything left to bear fruit with. That's a really dangerous kind because not falling away completely, it makes the person feel like they're doing okay even though they're not bearing fruit. And then you've got the good soil. 
And and what's the what's the characteristic of the good soil? Yeah, how much? 160, 30. Yeah, disciples aren't all the same. We're not all going to bear exactly the same amount of fruit. But they all bore fruit. <laughs> they were all active and, and growing for the Lord. So, I think it's profitable for us to ask the question, which soil are we? You know, we, this is a, a story where every single person in the world fits. Wonder which category we're in and what can we do to make sure we're in the category we ought to be. Comments and questions on that story. I wondered once what would happen if like persecution or difficulty happened to a person with the thorny soil heart. Um, but I don't think that type of person gets persecuted. <laughs> because, you, know, you look at the, the garden patch and you know it's just a, a bunch of weeds. You'd have no idea that there was any corn <laughs> any in there. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. The devil's not too worried as long as they're not bearing fruit. I mean, you look at, at uh, churches like Sardis that had a name they were alive, but they were dead, and Laodicea that was lukewarm in the book of Revelation, no indication those churches were being persecuted. Or even tempted away by false teaching. The devil didn't need those tools with those churches. Anything else? All right, 24 to 30. another parable to them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field but while his men were sleeping his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away but when the wheat sprouted and bore grain then the tares became evident also then the slaves of the landowner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed did you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares and he said to them an enemy has done this the slaves said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no for while you were gathering while you are gathering up the tares, you may have root the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them into bundles and burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now he will explain this parable a little later on. But isn't this amazing? Agricultural sabotage. <laughs> You know, here you've got this, the kingdom is like a man who sows good seed in his field. And then what happens? In the middle of the night, his enemy comes and sows weeds. What does that tell you about his enemy? <laughs> he's an enemy. Yeah. And he's... Cowardly. He's cowardly. He's stealthy. He's crafty. And he's malicious. And he, he mimics... The, far the farmer. He does the very same thing the farmer does. He sows seed. Only it's other kind of seed. It's weed seed he sows. These tares. And, uh, well, the field grows up. And guess what? It's not all wheat. You got all these tares in it. And the slave comes to the landowner and, and said, you know, what happened? <laughs> you didn't sow tares, did you? And so weeds, did you? You know, why would they? Well, he realizes an enemy has done this. You know, he sowed all these weed seeds. And so what do the what do his slaves really want to do? Go get them. Like, take them out of there. Yeah. 
man, we'll destroy those weeds. But what does the owner say? Yeah, let them grow because. Yeah, we can't afford to tear them out. Can you imagine so many weeds? You start pulling them up by the roots, you're uprooting whole plants of whatever it is you've got. That'll never do. And uh, I think there's a really important lesson in this. The kingdom of God. Is God reigning as king now? How can that be with all the evil and wickedness in the world? If God's really ruling, why doesn't he do something about it? It's not the harvest yet. That's exactly right. This is saying that you can expect in God's kingdom, the good and bad will grow together until the harvest. It's a good thing God doesn't destroy every wicked person the moment they first commit wickedness. If that had happened, where would we be? That would not be a good thing. You know, God is patient and merciful, hoping for more to repent, hoping for more to prove to be good seed, and so he doesn't have some premature judgment, some premature division. So when people say, I can't believe God can really be king, or why does he let these bad people continue? Well, he does because he doesn't want to hurt good people and destroy them, and he does it because he's been waiting on people like you and me to get our lives right. So he doesn't destroy us in the process. Really, that's a benevolent thing, and people have turned around and used that against God as a proof that he's not really king. Or against Jesus as a proof that he's not really king. Comments and questions on that story? Alright, I think I'll go ahead and stop here since I need to get back tonight, especially being the first one, and make sure that People don't come before I get there. So, but good, good study. Good to do those things. Very meeting at, at my house, and I'm not sure Sam's going to be there. But people get there, so once they're used to it, I'll tell them tonight that they can come in.